This is Tracy Antonovich from thekitchengirl.com, and you're about to get your veg on with Vicki and Larissa on the Vegetarian Zen Podcast. Welcome to Vegetarian Zen, a peaceful place for vegetarians, vegans, and the veg curious to share tips for living a healthy lifestyle. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to get your veg on. Hey there, Red Zeners. Welcome back to Vegetarian Zen. My name is Vicky. And this is Larissa. And this is episode 96. We are honing in on 100. I know. I can't believe it. All right. Well, in this episode of the Vegetarian Zen podcast, which is episode number 96, we're going to continue with our spring gardening theme. And we're going to be talking about heirloom plants and seeds we've been cracking we've each been other joking up with about that. that all day okay it is heirloom heirloom now the word heirloom means a treasured possession that has remained in a family for generations and so today you're going to find out what that means for seeds and why seeds need to be treasured and preserved more than any any family trinket so at least in my opinion i think i think it is it is and in today's age where we're talking about monsanto and gmos and all that i think mm-hmm. it's even more important well before we get started let's talk about that uh, bumper that's the technical term bumper. for the the bumper <laughs> The bumper that we got from uh, our friend Tracy Antonovich, the Kitchen Girl. The Kitchen Girl. I just love, I love that name. So that's the name of her website is The Kitchen Girl. And Tracy is uh, a friend of ours. We, she was a fan of the podcast. And then we actually met her in person at Podcast Movement. We've talked about Tracy before. And uh, I just love Tracy. I love her energy. And she's a fabulous cook. She makes all of her own recipes. And then she's an awesome food photographer too, right? Yes. And when we came back from Podcast Movement, we drove up to Dallas, which was several hours. And she rode back with us Mm -hmm. to, where did we drop her off? Oh, it was here in town. Yeah, she was staying with her brother. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Or some a relative. And uh, we talked the whole way about our websites and our goals and stuff like that. So it was really cool. That was a really great, uh, it was a really great car ride. It really was. But yeah, so Tracy. Uh, a mobile mastermind. It was. It was fantastic. <laughs> that was like the best thing. I, I just loved that. I had so much fun. And we didn't even have air conditioning, which, you know, it made it bearable. <laughs> yes. No air conditioning. Yeah. Um, but Tracy's website is just full of great healthy recipes. She does a lot that are gluten-free. She does some vegan and vegetarian recipes and uh, definitely check her out. She's just, she's fabulous. We just love her. Now, I think she might even start a podcast eventually too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Hopefully she will. Yeah. Okay. Now we don't have a rating, but we are going to read a listener email today, right? Yes. Well, it's kind of a rating. Um, This is from Jesse Keen and... She says, Dear Vicki and Larissa, I found your podcast through a podcast catcher called Podcast Republic. And I haven't heard of Podcast Republic. No, I haven't heard of that one. Okay, so she she says, I don't use iTunes at the moment, and so I don't have any way to rate your podcast. At least I couldn't figure out how to get there without downloading iTunes. But I would totally give you a five. Nice. I love the fun tone to your podcast. The two of you have a great chemistry, and it makes learning all this information easy to digest. Your last episode on animal sanctuaries was very informative and has given me some exciting vacation options. Thank you so much for all your work, Jesse. Thank you so much for sending us that. That that made us smile. Thank you very much. 
All right, so let's move on to a news update. Now, this one I really appreciate. Uh, This was an article we found on plant-based diets in the workplace. Now, apparently, the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, which is is a committee we talk about quite a bit on the show, published a study that found that an 18-week plant-based dietary intervention program in a corporate setting boosts employee productivity while alleviating symptoms of anxiety, depression, and fatigue. Who knew, right? Who knew? Now, (laughs) apparently the study was done at GEICO, and they did the study with... uh, 20, let's see, they had uh, BMI, the the people that they did the study for had BMIs of over 25 and or a history of type 2 diabetes. Now they put them on a low fat, low glycemic, high fiber, plant-based diet. And after about 18 weeks, they saw a lot of measurable improvements in their productivity, uh, reducing some of their symptoms of anxiety, depression, fatigue, and other general health problems that they had like LDL and, uh, or I'm sorry, they uh, lowered the LDL cholesterol by 13 points and also dropped some weight. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's really good. And they also had these uh, lunch and learn sessions to ask questions about the science behind where, where the associates there at the at Geico could ask questions about the science behind plant-based diets and experiment with new recipes. So, Well, and I really like that part of it because it's not just, you know, telling them what to eat for 18 weeks and then letting them loose and they just go right back. They were actually educating them mm-hmm. while they were doing it so they could continue these habits after the study was done. Yeah. And like I said, I work, you know, I, this kind of hits home for me because I work in a corporate environment and it, it, there's a lot of sitting. There's a lot of sitting. Now, I'm very fortunate that my company is very progressive in the sense that that they think about healthy options. We have our own garden at work at site on the site and they of, often do the farm to fork type meals and they have a tomato trucking farmer, like a mobile farmer's market that comes out once a month. And so very progressive in that respect. They also are now offering sit-stand desks to associates that request them. And those aren't cheap either. Mm -hmm. And you got one. I I got one prior to them offering it to everybody because of my, the problems I've been having with my back. But now they're offering them to everybody because they understand that it, it's good for people to stand up and it gives, actually gives people more more energy and more Mm -hmm. productivity. I also am very fortunate that I have a Gold's Gym inside of my work inside. So, I mean, at lunchtime, you can just walk over to the gym that's on the other side of the campus and uh, have a workout. So with showers and everything. So obesity currently affects 35% of U.S. adults and accounts for about $73 billion Mm. in lost, lost productivity cost every year. Wow. So that's crazy. And, but I mean, I could just think about after lunch that you know, when you've, if you've had like a high carb, like if you have pasta, oh, yeah, and, you pasta, know, something yeah. like that. And not to mention that it also has impacts on depression. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been studies that show that. So, yeah. So I thought that was a really good article. All right. Are we ready to move into our heirloom, heirloom. topics? <laughs> a topic. <laughs> Making me laugh. So okay, if heirloom, you grow, heirloom. if you use heirloom seeds, will uh-huh. you have heirloom herbs? <laughs> Possibly. Okay, we promise we won't do that again. I don't know why, but it just sounds gross. Yeah, we're not going to do All that. Right. Well, we might do it, but we'll... You know. Oh, you know what? Can I say something really fast, though? This is really funny because I usually I get scary. these... Well, it's funny. A funny thing happened to me on the way to the podcast today. <laughs> uh, okay, I was doing some stuff with our microphones and I, Larissa said, what are you doing? And and I told her, I was, I said, I'm 
I'm going to tweak something today because I was, I'm always trying to improve the quality of our podcast. And she said, oh, are you going to stop talking? <laughs> <laughs> I told her, I said, that is, she's like, all right, that's good. I that said, yeah, that's totally good. something you normally would have said. So after 13 years, I am learning things. So that was really good. <laughs> that's what I'm learning from you. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, I think now we're ready to dive into our main topic of heirloom seeds. You okay. want to talk a little bit about what? Uh, what those are? Yes. So I, you know, I was looking, I was looking, uh, you know, for definitions and, and there's different definitions out there. They vary from like really general to like super specific, but this is the best one that I found online. That's kind of all encompassing. And this is from about.com's gardening site. And I'm just going to read it. It's just a little definition. Heirloom crop varieties are specific crops, including food and flower crops, that have been developed by farmers throughout years of cultivation, crop selection, and seed saving. These heirloom crops are passed down to new generations and often through many generations. Typically, a crop is considered a real heirloom once it's past the 50-year or 100-year mark. Though folks do disagree on timing of heirlooms, almost all agree that a real true heirloom is a crop that is still genetically unique when compared to the typical commercial crop varieties available today. Okay. So these are really passed down. These are really passed down seeds, right? right? Yeah. It's, it's basically, it's just seeds that are saved by gardeners or farmers from one season to the next. So, I mean, the original plant on some of these seeds, some of them go back for centuries. That's crazy. I mean, isn't it crazy? Because you don't really think about that. Yeah, I know. You think that, okay, so the original plant of this was grown by like Thomas Jefferson, you know? That's and really then cool. It's just, I mean, it's crazy. And there are seeds like that. Uh, I know that there's a, it's, there's a place called the Old Manse, and I can't think of where it is, but it, it was Ralph Waldo Emerson's family's uh place and they did gardening. And I, I read, I read this online. It was really interesting that the place, uh, after the family left or was, you know, all gone, the place just lay, the garden lay fallow for like 56 years or something. And a group of gardeners decided to kind of resurrect it and clean it up and everything. And they, they have seeds that were still from that garden. That's so they awesome. started it again. So I, I just think that's like totally cool. So I think it's safe to say Monsanto has not gotten their hands on these or? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that's. Well, remember, we were talking as we were doing the uh, kind of the dry run through this. And we were talking through the research. The first time we really heard about these, this seed saving type of concept was when we were watching, I think it was Food Inc., mm-hmm, yeah. that they were talking about how Monsanto was really the bullies that they are going after some of these people that were trying to preserve these seeds and trying to sue them for right. like ridiculous things. Yeah, sue them. And then didn't they even say that they have like kind of these like thugs in suits actually yeah. come and intimidate these farmers right. into trying and just to... just threatening. And these yeah. are like small farmers. So, you know, of course, if you threaten them with a big lawsuit, a lot of them are going to end up caving, but a lot of them are standing their mm-hmm. ground, which is great. No and I hope intended. more do, and I hope they get more support. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about how heirloom plants um, need to be cared for. Okay, so to, to be heirloom, they have to be open-pollinated. And what open-pollinated means is that they're pollinated by natural means. So whether that's bees or birds or wind uh, or even hand pollination by humans is considered natural. And basically hand pollination is where you just uh, take the two 
the flowering parts and you kind of yeah. grow them together and pollinate. Uh, so, and this is between the same species of plants. Okay. As opposed to hybrids, right? Mm-hmm. Which are created by combining the pollen of two different species mm-hmm. that, it, and that's done each year typically. And those are typically referred to as F1 plants. Mm-hmm. And the reason that has to be done each year is because seeds produced by these hybrid F1 plants are genetically unstable. So, they can't be used in the future. So you can't save the seeds. Well, I mean, you, you can save the seeds, but they're not going to produce reliable, genetically viable, good plants the next year. Okay. So besides just being cool and saying like, I am using Thomas Jefferson's or, <laughs> you know, whoever's seeds <laughs> uh, in your garden, why would somebody want to use heirloom seeds? Well, there's a couple of reasons. There's actually four big main reasons. The first one is just for a wider variety there are there are so many varieties of plants, whether it's flowers or you know vegetables, fruits, what whatever. There are so many more varieties of each type of plant than any nursery or seed catalog could ever stock ever. So I mean, let's let's look at tomatoes for example. And you know, every gardener wants to grow tomatoes, right? Who doesn't want to grow tomatoes? And so the USDA says that there are, they estimate 25,000 varieties of tomato plants. See, that just blew my mind. Isn't that crazy? I can think of maybe three. <laughs> and two of them are Red big ones, and little. Red ones, green ones, and <laughs> yeah, big and little. big and little. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then other estimates I found are more conservative. So they said like 10,000 varieties or 7,500 varieties, whichever it is. That's a lot of tomato varieties, yeah. you know. And the problem is that most of these varieties now are hybrids. So only a hand and of those only a handful are like really popular and readily available in nurseries and garden centers, things like that. So ones like better boy, Jersey boy, beefsteak, cherry. um, There's a something girl. I can't think of that one, but anyway, the, the names that people know, right. But Heirloom tomatoes, there are 3,000 varieties of heirloom tomatoes. If you go to an heirloom seed catalog, many of them carry upwards of 70 or 80 heirloom varieties, some up to 100. So, you know, you can see that you can get more varieties of tomatoes if you go for heirloom seeds or plants than you can easily if you go for just the hybrids. Right. Mother Nature has a much larger selection, it <laughs> <Yeah>. appears. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's do a comparison of Laurel's heirloom tomato plants versus Burpee. Okay. So Laurel's, I found online, Laurel's heirloom tomato plants is at dot com is, uh, and I, I don't know if that, uh, I have the full, I'll have the full. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember if it's Laurel's tomato plants.com or heirloom tomato. It's something. Anyway, uh, but Laurel's is, all organic. So that's the first thing I saw. And I was like, okay, this is cool. So I kept reading. So Laurel's has 100 varieties this season, 100 varieties of heirloom tomatoes, um, both plants and seeds. Now some, they're not all available, all varieties are available in plants, but I think all of the varieties are available in seeds. Versus Burpee. And Burpee has 127 total tomato seed varieties, 51 are heirloom, but only five of those are organic. So if that's important to you, which it is to us, you know, and you want more variety of organic, then uh, Laurel's is probably the place to go for that. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. All right. So let's move into our second reason why you would want to uh, harvest heirloom seeds. Mm -hmm. All right. the, The second reason has to do with flavor. 
So hybrids that are created to improve uh, disease and pest resistance and increase crop yield often sacrifice taste and scent. So, you know, if you want uh, better taste or nicer smelling plants, <laughs> then uh, heirloom is the way to go. Absolutely. Uh, then the third reason is uh, maintaining biogenetic diversity. And this is really important. You know, taste is good. You want stuff that tastes good. But the biogenetic diversity is huge. So basically what this is, is when you save seeds from non-engineered plants, so plants that are not messed with by humans, you're helping to ensure that we're saving those species from extinction. Yeah, and why that's important is that we don't continue to save and replant these seeds um, and help them not be extinct, that we're going to eventually end up in a world full of nothing but man-made food. Mm -hmm. And uh, history has proven that Mother Nature tends to know what she's doing. Right. And, you know, it's it's important. I mean, we talk so much about GMOs and frankenfoods and all that. And hybrids are not technically, well... They're not genetically modified to, uh, like, with changes in DNA or anything like that. But they are modified. I mean, they're, they're, it's a person, a human, taking two different species that normally wouldn't, you know, hang out and, and make babies. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking and, about when we did that, at least one, one uh, recent example, or not so much recent. It's actually, wow, it's 50, 60 years old now. <laughs> uh, the Africanized bees. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think about that. And sometimes you just don't know what can happen. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm not so. going to say we're going to have a lot of savage plants here, but I mean, <laughs> you don't know what could Seymour. happen, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe that's what happened with Seymour. Seymour the sea monster? No, Seymour from uh, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> uh, but anyway, and then diversity also helps to guard against insect or disease plagues and crop failures that may only affect a few species at a time. So if you're only growing, you know, hybridized crops and you're only doing a few of them and you've got a disease, it just happens to affect those, then uh, if, if you only are growing those, then you're going to lose everything. If you're growing more varieties, then you've got a better chance of, of keeping your stuff Right, because one disease isn't going to just wipe out mm -hmm. your whole crop. And then reason number four is saving money. So when you save your seeds, you can use them from year to year and you don't have to purchase new seeds or seedlings each season. So that's, yeah. that's very helpful in that respect. And those get expensive. Yeah. They can. All right, where do we find heirloom seeds? We already talked a little bit about the online sources. You mm -hmm. want to talk a little bit more about that? Right, yeah. So so the first big source, I think we've got, what do we have? One, two, I think there's four different things we'll mention here. So the first one is uh, either seed-saving organizations or seed companies. Seed-saving organizations are a little bit different than just, you know, commercial seed companies that just sell seeds and plants. So what these organizations are, are they're mostly nonprofit, and their goals are more to preserve the lineage of the heirloom plants. So, yes, they do grow and preserve heirloom plants and save seeds and pass those seeds on by selling them. That's, you know, kind of how they support their, their nonprofit agencies. But they also like to pass on the history or the heritage of the plants and seeds themselves. So just like we were talking about Thomas Jefferson or, or Ralph Waldo Emerson, or, you know, they like to try to, this, with the seeds that they have, preserve the, like the family history, the growing history. So, you know, when you buy a pack of seeds from them or a plant, you may have something that says, okay, well, you know, these seeds have been grown by 
Farmer Jones from, you know, Gary, Indiana for, you know, since his family's been growing this since 1930s or something, you know, yeah. something like that that kind That's of cool. gives you a history. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really cool. And then their other goal is really to ensure the continuation of, of biodiversity. All right. The other thing to keep in mind when it comes to these uh, seed saving organizations, sometimes they require paid memberships mm-hmm. to get uh, to get a hold of their seeds. Okay. But keep in mind that one way they raise money for the organization is by selling these plants and seeds. So, you know, your paid membership is going to help support them. Okay. So let's talk about a couple of uh, uh, seed saving organizations. All right. So the first one, and this one is kind of the most widely known, most popular, is called Seed Savers Exchange. And again, it's not for profit. And they raise money to support their efforts by selling seeds, plants, gardening items, um, you know, gifts for gardeners, things like that. Their seed bank has thousands of different varieties of seeds. So fruits, vegetables, flowers. Okay. And their membership started about $30 uh, a year. Mm-hmm. And that's typically for fixed income people. So like students or people that are on some sort of welfare mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, and I think the individual was 40. So even okay. that, you know, and All then right. there's a family and then. And then there's a lifetime. Yeah. The $1,500 lifetime. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then there's the CUSA Seed Society. And they're also a not-for-profit organization. And their mis- mission is to educate about the relationship between man and edible seed crops. So like ancient grains, grasses, and uh, other edible seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they offer seeds for sale as well. But they also have a pretty big selection of educational materials for sale. Uh, and their prices are reasonable. I checked out some of their like pamphlets and their little books. And they're, you know, Two ninety five, three ninety five, just real reasonable, and they just do that to raise money for their their efforts. Okay, so we just talked about the exchanges. Let's talk about the seed companies. Okay, so now these typically are more for profit. Although the first one we're going to talk about is actually a non profit organization, and that is Bountiful Gardens, and I think it's bountifulgardens.org. dot um, org. They are all heirloom. So all everything they carry is heirloom. They have both an online and a paper catalog, which, you know, I mean, paper catalogs are kind of nice for this because they've got really nice, bright pictures and everything. But, you know, if you're eco-conscious and you want to save, I mean, their, their online catalog is just as good. And I, I prefer that. Yeah. And they also sell a lot of gardening stuff, too, like mushroom kits, gardening supplies, books, books and stuff like that. So that's also good. Mushroom kits. That sounds fun. I know. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, We've already go got again. quite the garden going in the back right now. Okay. It's, it's pretty cool, but I'm <laughs> okay. just... Yeah, it, One thing what, at The test time. is going to be this Texas heat. Yeah. Yeah. And your continuation to... Not kill watering stuff. them. <laughs> yes. All right. So... Their website is really well organized and it has a lot of helpful information. So besides just their their store component, um, in the store itself, you can browse by a variety of different means. So you can browse by season if you're looking for, you know, some plants that you can plant like in the upcoming fall or in the summer or whatever. Um, then you can also browse by type of plant. So they have it all sorted out by vegetables, trees and shrubs, mushrooms, garlic and, and what have you. And then they also have a special section, which is great for us, for drought tolerant plants. Yes, it's about to get really hot in here. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have more rain before it stops raining. Yeah, it's already starting to get pretty warm. I know. And then they also have a seed calculator on their site, which kind of tells you how much seed you should 
buy for the amount of, you know, land or, or whatever that you have. And then they've got a lot of other cool stuff on their site. And it's a really beautiful site. All right. And then there's the Territorial Seed Company. And like most of the seed companies, they're not all heirloom, but they do have a good selection of heirloom seeds. So if you're not dead set on heirloom, then they also have a large organic set- section, which mm-hmm. is good. Selection. Yeah. And they have a nice so. website too. I, I, I was kind of... Um, preferential towards the Bountiful Gardens one, um, just mainly because it's really well designed, but then they also are all heirloom, which I thought was kind of cool. All right. And uh, what about a third source? All right. A third source for heirloom seeds would be seek out local seed exchanges or garden clubs. And I know that there are a lot of these around. Uh, I'm wondering, I don't know, I haven't checked here, but I'm wondering if maybe like the San Antonio Botanical Gardens has some kind of group that that does a seed exchange or, or something like that. I'll have to look into that. I'm not to that point in my gardening uh, journey yet, I don't think, to be wanting to do that because I don't have anything to exchange, but but I think that would be cool. And I know a lot of times these garden clubs and things will also have plant sales where they'll actually sell you know plants that were grown from, from heirloom seeds. So look in your local newspaper or like the local like what's happening section or online and see what you can find. All right. And then source number four is to save your own. So just be sure you're saving only seeds grown from heirloom plants. And there are a lot of resources online and line, line, line. <laughs> and also in print to teach you how to save seeds. So do some research. I'm sure there's probably YouTube stuff out there too, as well. Just, Shit, yeah. We live in such a crazy age, don't we? I mean, it's, it's awesome how you can get all this information to help you with this kind of stuff. You think about like such a long time ago and people weren't didn't have access to this I know it's <laughs> crazy stuff. now you can just google it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there are, and there are a couple that I'll put in the uh, the show notes one is seedsave.org and then there's also organic seed alliance and they both have like some good resources and how to's and also on uh, I think it's the bountiful gardens website they have a section of how to's and like growing tips and how to save seeds so I mean that's just an awesome website All right. Well, I think that does it for our main topic. Hopefully you learned a little bit about heirloom seeds and the benefits of heirloom seeds. I know we did. We learned a ton when we did the research for this. So uh, anyway, Larissa took the bulk of the research, but thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) But it was great talking about it. Okay. So let's move into the recipe of the week. And I saw a picture of this already and it looked yummy. Yes. Now I, I, I'm excited about this one because I got to say, you know, with Tracy doing our bumper for us this week, I... And then we talked about tomatoes and heirloom tomatoes and everything that goes along with that. I kind of reached out to Tracy and I said, hey, I said, do you have any killer tomato-based recipes, like something super tomato-y that we could use uh, for this episode? And she said, well, you know, it's funny. She said, I don't have it completely ready to go yet, but I'm working on a recipe for what she called drunken marinara. Nice sauce. And it's it's vegetarian, maybe even vegan. I'm not sure, but I know for sure vegetarian. Um, but it's drunken marinara, and it uses uh, vodka instead of wine. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, vodka hasn't always been a friend to me in the past, but I'm good with it in sauce. <laughs> um, but anyway, so she is putting the finishing touches on it as we record this and then it'll be uh, up on her website and we'll link to it on ours and uh, I mean it sounds fantastic it looks fantastic she already had the photography done for it so we got to see the picture like like Vicky said and I cannot wait to try that either that looks like it's going to be a good weekday kind of thing to have it looks like it would be 
kind of minimal effort. I don't know. I'll have to see her recipe, but yeah. Well, minimally, minimally, <laughs> minimally, it's something that you could make in bulk and probably freeze. Ah, good. And yeah. then and, and leftover, leftover yep. lunch. Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right, what about a quote this week? All right. The quote this week comes from Shrunyu Suzuki. And that is from Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. Way to pronounce that, by the way. Thank you. I practiced. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The quote of the week, I was in front of the mirror. Shrunyu. 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 (laughs) Uh, The quote of the week is, the seed has no idea of being some particular plant, but but it has its own form and is in perfect harmony with the ground, with its surroundings, and there is no trouble. This is what we mean mean by naturalness. Oh, I love that. That's really cool. That's, Nature again, just yeah, like, is one yeah. one. It just makes everything the way it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. Whether we like it or not, and whether we try to change it or not, yeah, everything goes it, back to the way it's supposed get to be. Things usually screwed up when we try to change things, anyway. So right. All right. Well, I think that does it for our show this week. As always, we will have links to the research that the extensive research that Larissa does throughout the week to get prepared for our podcast. We have links to everything. We'll also have the recipe of the week out there and with a lovely picture from the kitchen girl and feel free to leave us a comment or leave us a picture. Send us a picture of your garden. If you're gardening this spring, we are, we have quite the jungle going on in the back (laughs) right now. I really like it though. I dig it. I just, I just hope it withstands our Texas summer and your, um, Gardening tendencies. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey. You're good at a lot of things. It's just gardening has been a challenge. Well, I think look, I can make that call. It's, you know, we've yeah, been together No, I'm, I'm there with years. you. I, I agree. <laughs> but uh, let me let me just say something real fast, too. Um, if this podcast episode can survive my major screw-up, major screw-up, um, and if, I mean, you, you're a fabulous editor, and I appreciate that, but I just got to say, I did. I made the stupidest mistake, and I screwed up this recording so badly. Hopefully, you won't Vicky, notice. Yeah, I'm sure you won't because you're awesome. But Vicky has been working so hard, at, like right in the middle of, of our recording, to fix my stupid mistakes. So oh, I just no wanted problem. to say thank you I, and I'm say you're sure awesome. I'm sure I'm due. I'm due. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've done my my share of stupid mistakes. Oh and, no! And if but, I haven't yet, then. It's coming. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for, for um, making this work. Um, despite oh, it was a great my, episode. Great yeah. episode. Great Thanks. friends uh, contributing also to our podcast. So mm-hmm. uh, we look forward to next episode. All right. Peace out. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Vegetarian Zen. We've created a free resource for you to show you five ways to sneak more fruits and veggies into your diet. You can download it right now by visiting vegetarianzen.com. Until next time, wishing you a happy body and a healthy mind.